0: With your Amex card entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: I'm Saleya Mosen, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started the Big Take DC. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Moson.
2: And I'm David Gura. Listen to the big take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Let's go! This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on FeCEN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: All right, it was ugly. It was a tough end to an otherwise <laughs> magical tournament run for San Diego State, but a huge congratulations in order for the UConn Huskies, your 2023 college basketball national champions. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonantoni. Got a great show ahead. We will recap everything that happened last night in the national championship. We got lots of NFL draft conversation ahead as well. Thor Nystrom is going to join the program. Will Hill stopping by Michael, and he's got some NFL win totals running through. So Mm -hmm. we'll have a really, really good show. Um, But man, last night was a tough one. Can we
5: talk? (laughs) I I think this, you know, having been part of that moment where you get to a conference championship game or you get to a Super Bowl and when you lose the way San Diego State lost last night, you you just really say to yourself, they were the better team. And, And when we We didn't play our best, had a lot to do with them, but you're not going to beat somebody shooting 32% from the floor. Mm -hmm. You're not going to beat them, you know, when they get leads on you, you could scratch and claw to come back. When your best player is, or allegedly your best player, is two for nine from the field, it's it's hard. And look, UConn, they were misseeded based on their talent. They were dominant in the tournament. There was no one that really got close to them. And you know, it's a great year for San Diego State. You gotta hang your head high, feel proud about it. But it was it was gonna require a unique situation, as we talked about yesterday. And I think what Tate Fraser said on the air yesterday, look, if UConn wins, they're gonna cover this yeah. number, and they did.
4: And something we talked about not only coming into the national championship game, but throughout the tournament with regards to San Diego State, was the way that they could go through these scoring droughts. And yesterday, the biggest one that they had all tournament going eleven minutes without a field goal, like 14 straight missed field goals. You're missing layups. You can't handle business at the rim. And it was just time and time again. And that that was the big fear coming in, is if San Diego State goes on one of their droughts, how are they going to be able to catch up with a UConn team that's as dynamic as they are? And obviously, they weren't. The bad beat for me, Michael, the worst beat from a betting perspective is that in-game, I got down on a San Diego State plus 15 and a half. Oh and they couldn't even cover that despite being in the margin um, throughout the, the course of the second half.
5: Yeah, that, that that's the bad beat, right? That's but, the tough one. And, and, you know, when you look at the box score, it's really simple. You you know, they missed five free throws, which was, you know, you can't do that. You know, you shoot 26% from the three-point line. You can't do that. You know, at the end of the day, Dutcher's sitting there saying, look, you know, we, we didn't do what we needed to do. We needed mm-hmm. to have a pristine shooting night. You know, we only made 16 shots the whole night out of 56 attempts. I mean, so it's, or 18. So it's like, how do you win that game? You don't win that game. So, and
4: credit them, they, they did still for a moment look like, yeah, it. they clawed back I in for a their time. Credit the yes.
5: defense, but you can only go so long. The, and that, and we talked about this yesterday too. The depth of Connecticut's team is far too good. Mm-hmm. And they just wear you down. It's a boxing match. They get you on the, I mean, look, Iona probably played them the best of any team in the first half. They had the lead. Yep, no and doubt. St. Mary's had the one-point lead. I mean, but you could see in that St. Mary's game, that second half, you could just feel UConn taking that game over. I felt like UConn was in control of the game and in the lead after the 10-minute mark for the rest of the game.
4: Yeah, it was never in doubt. Adama sonogo one of the all-time faces now in UConn history, wins the most outstanding player. He averaged a near double-double for the tournament, averaged 19.7 points per game, 9.9 boards. Jordan Hawkins played like the NBA draft pick. He likely will be Tristan Newton. And and Dan Hurley said that this was coming, right? And everybody laughed at that about UConn. And and here they are standing at the top of the mountain, cutting down the nets. The, The thing, Michael, that I don't like about things that I've heard in national media since the, since basically the game was initially planned, that you found out that was going to be the matchup between San Diego State and UConn, and then now especially because they lost the way that they did, was the woulda, shoulda, coulda about how, like, well, Creighton shoulda beat San Diego State, yeah. and FAU that, was up 14, and they shoulda beat San Diego that, State. Or if this would be totally different, if could you imagine if if Kansas beat Arkansas, and then they got, like, stop. Stop. yeah That's not what happened. no And just move on from it, because... At the end of the day in college basketball, Michael, the team that wins the College Hoops national championship that that wins it all in March Madness isn't always gonna be the best team in college basketball that year. It's the team that can win six games. And San Diego State won five. Right. Only two teams even get to play six. They got to six. Like let it that's what it is.
5: Well, the people that say that really have never been in competitive sports. I mean, they say that because they look at a box score, they look at something, but the reality of it is is in a single elimination tournament. You have to play 60 minutes, and you got to play the whole game. I mean, Florida Atlantic, I mean, I thought Dusty May said it well. They just didn't close the game. It's 65-60, and they had a chance to win the game. And would they have given UConn a better game? I don't know, but they couldn't close out San Diego State, the mental toughness of San Diego State. So this woulda, shoulda, coulda to me is irrelevant. I mean, that's what the tournament's about. You have to play your best on that day you can well, there's no margin for error. UConn had no margin. There was never in doubt in any of the games except maybe the Iona game and the St. Mary's game at the half and then they take those games over. So that's the tournament. The tournament challenges teams to play six games at their highest level for 60 minutes, not six games 30 minutes. Six games at the highest level. So those people that talk about, well, what what would have happened? Sure. You know, maybe it would have been a better game if Kansas played, yeah. but Kansas didn't earn the right.
4: Well, and that's what I'm saying. I just I hate the ifs and buts. It would have been a better game if this yeah, happened but, or pay, but. And it's you just you can't
5: pay attention to that. Everybody's an expert. You know, everybody's a genius with an eraser.
4: Better to have loved and lost than to never <laughs> have loved at all. Better to have gotten there um, as I, a fan. I, I think and it's I, a great
5: tribute, and I yes. think what what Dutcher said about the NIL, about Florida Atlantic, what you know, this whole notion that you have to have NIL to be good. And I think eventually we're going to see this tournament. It, you know, there's going to be a lot of have and have-nots. We know that. That's where it's coming. But it was refreshing for a a tournament to have Florida Atlantic a nice Mm -hmm. seed. It was refreshing for San Diego State to come from the West, where people say the basketball isn't good enough. It was refreshing. So to me, you know, if I'm Dusty May and I'm just going to keep going, I, I think there's a place... For those programs that want to continue to build and the kids that want to stay within the programs.
4: It's just just what bothers me. It's like, oh, San Diego State, they weren't Cinderella enough. It would have been better if this other, like, just leave it alone. Uh Um, and, And credit UConn. They did this to everyone. Six and zero straight up and against the spread. Their average margin of victory in these games, Michael, twenty points per game. Average cover margin, nearly sixteen points per game. That they're covering these numbers at. It was just, it was an insane, insane, really, really great run for them. To me, the the criticism
5: should be, how were they a fourth seed? (laughs) I know they were. I know they were fourth in the Big East. But like when you're watching this team, it just shows you that. Again, I think it's a lesson for our Visan audience and betters is forget about the ranking. Watch the games, understand it. We we said in March, maybe even in February, that the team that was going to win this was going to be ranked in the top five in terms of defense. UConn was, mm-hmm. San Diego State was too. So let's remind ourselves what really takes to win a championship. I think that's what you have to do if you're a head coach at Kansas, Purdue, or North Carolina. As what do the ingredients we have to assemble to get here? You got to be great on defense. You got to have point guards that can penetrate and score. And you got to have you got to have age on your team. Mm-hmm. You can't be a one and done team. I mean, look at this. So the odds to win it. We got this up here. Duke and Kentucky and UConn coming back again. But let's face it, Duke's going to be, you know, are they going to keep all their kids in school? Is Kentucky going to be in the one-and-done? I mean, Kentucky hasn't made the Sweet 16 since 2019, <laughs> and they're 12-1 to the to win they it. They got
4: blown out the gym by Kansas State in the tournament. Um, And they're going to lose Oscar Shibwe this year, a number of seniors. But because Coach Cal has already a, locked Oscar up. Oscar
5: Shebla is in the three-point line, in the lane, the entire game, yeah. and he never gets called for it. They still couldn't win.
4: Because Coach Cal has already locked up the number three, four, five, and seven nationally ranked recruits going into next year, that's why they're getting their slush. But
5: they never do anything with it. But what we've what have we learned from that? It's hard to coach those kids. Yes, it's hard. Those kids don't feel as though they need coaching. They're just that's a stopover to the NBA, and so they are not willing to put the sacrifices in that it's needed to become a great player. Now maybe Coach Cal can change that. But since 19, they haven't been to the 16. Since 12, they haven't won a title. Yeah,
4: You have Duke as the favorite, um, as you referenced. They're going to have five five-stars coming in. Obviously, it was a very freshman-built team this year that ended up winning the ACC tournament. Um, they We thought that maybe they could be one of those dark horses to come on and make a run in the tournament. Got stunned by Tennessee. Um, as for UConn, though, they are the third-shortest shot to repeat as champion, this, by the way, their fifth championship in 25 years. We talk about the blue bloods of college basketball. They should certainly be in that conversation. No doubt.
5: Jim Calhoun started this program. And if you've, you've ever been to stores, have you done a college game from stores? I have not. Oh my gosh. It's, it's nowhere. I mean, it is in the middle of nowhere. And, and it's amazing that they've been able to have this. Jim Moore did an incredible job, getting their football program back this year. So, you know, it's a tribute to the Calhoun program. That he was able to start and really get this thing to where it needed to go, and 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 it was a great hire by by UConn to bring Dan Hurley in, and he went through his lumps and reminded everybody, it's good. you know we're going to be back here, we're we're a blue chip program, and they are, so I I think it's great, you know I think it's good for college. I, I love Marquette, that there they are in the Big East, and they're they're in the, they're where their odds are. Shaka, you know I mean I think he. Went to the right place for him. A lot of this is mm-hmm. you got to be where you can coach the kids. Why did Jay Wright leave Villanova? Because Jay Wright feels like I can't take five stars and coach him. I need three stars and make him five stars. That's why he left. So I, I think you got to know where you are in college.
4: I like seeing Marquette up there, especially after they were a team that was picked so low in the Big East, end up shocking everybody to win the conference this year. The Big East certainly back on the rise um, in this spot. UConn, by the way, they're 60 to 1 preseason odds, are as high as 80 to 1 the longest by an eventual national champion since 2014 when UConn won as a 65-1 to shot. This is a team that was unranked in the preseason. They went through that stretch in January that we talked about where they lost six of eight games. They did not win the conference tournament. (laughs) Um, But outside of the Big East, non-conference play, they were 17-0. They won every one of those games by more than 10 points, and now they are the 2023 national champion. It's
5: a great lesson for all of us to learn. Ignore the noise. Ignore ignore the noise, just look at the teams and see where they can go. Good coaching with great with great talent's always gonna be there.
4: Also, your guy Tate Frazier had a good tweet. Said it's literally way too early for even a way too early top twenty-five. Half (laughs) these teams won't even be constructed until mid-June, thanks to the portal. That is very true. SESU get no love, by the way. They are as high as 80 to 1 out there.
5: Watch watch them. I mean, Boca Raton's a nice place to go play basketball. I can tell you that. FAU
4: 50 to 1, bringing back a lot of their roster.
6: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host,
3: Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
4: It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We are live from downtown Las Vegas coming to you from Circa Resort and Casino. And... Um, now that we have wrapped up some of our national championship conversation, you got it off.
5: You got it off. Got chest? it out of, okay. I, Yep, I
4: got it off my we're chest. Move forward.
5: Yeah, we've we we we've move got it.
4: That's that's all that we can do, right? What would the daily coach say in a situation like this?
5: You got it's on to the next one. You got to get to the next one. You got to go. You got to you got to kind of like understand why you win. You got to understand why you lose. And the only way you can do that is to move forward. You know, and you've got to be able to say, okay, you know, they were the better team, and, and there's nothing wrong with saying that. Like they were they were playing their best at the right time and credit Dan Hurley, but that doesn't diminish what San Diego State did. You know, I mean, it's remarkable and they can build on it. And I think if their players have the same mentality of like never being satisfied, comfort is what kills most organizations. If they're not comfortable, They'll move forward. They'll go on.
4: I feel like an athlete. I've got the 24-hour rule for myself. I was upset last night, slept it yeah. off, woke up this morning, and I'm in better feelings, and I have I am kind of reflecting more so on the journey of what a wonderful season it was and how exciting. Um, first time, again, for San Diego State ever to reach the national championship. First Mountain West team to do it, too. Obviously, UNLV won a national title back in 1990, but they were not a Mountain West. The Mountain West didn't exist um, at that point. Okay, let's get into some NFL draft talk yeah, because oh, it's another lot. day we got a new mock draft that's coming out from one of the big prognosticators. So Todd McShay's latest mock draft on ESPN came out today. He has flipped his tune on CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. His previous mock had Bryce number one. Now he's got Stroud going one to Carolina. They've got a trade at three that the Colts go up to get Anthony Richardson. Um, Will Levis, as we go down the line, is going 14th to Tampa. And Hendon Hooker... Going 23rd overall to the Minnesota Vikings. So I want to do the quarterbacks here first.
5: Well, I, I think uh, let, let's start with CJ Stroud. I, I still believe it's Bryce Young. I think this is uh, that's that's going to be the pick to me.
4: Uh, I don't know why he flip flopped on that because well, because
5: I mean, look, here, he, you got to understand these mocks, right? They're getting information from agents. You know, do you th- really think that anybody in Carolina is going to tell Todd McShay what they're going to do? They're going to misinformation Todd McShay. I mean, if we go back and study these mocks, you know, and and the unreliability of the mock, you know, we we take it like it's the holy grail. We 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 should genuflect when we start reading. Oh my gosh! So you you got to talk to the right people, the decision makers in organizations. If you talk to scouts. They're not really privy to be in the room. A lot of scouts aren't even in the draft room. In New England, their scouts are working on next year's draft come draft time. So, you know, they're not a decision maker. They're not entitled to be involved in the, in making this. So I, I do believe it'll be Bryce Young. I've been told reliably it'll be Bryce Young. Could they flip and go to C.J. Stroud? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Because when you watch the tape and you watch C.J. Stroud and you're going to take a quarterback who does that <laughs> – to look to the sideline nope. for every play, you know it's a little bit difficult. Now, if I'll say this again, if Bryce Young were five, six feet two, the Bears would have never traded the pick.
4: Yeah, if he's 215, two there's no question about it. There's any no of
5: doubt this. he's the best player. He's the best player. Watch the tape. See, this is what happens. We stop watching tape now. We start throwing names around. I'll give you a guy here, Will Anderson. You watch the tape on Will Anderson. I I don't understand the euphoria with Will Anderson. I watch the tape, you know. If he was this elite pass rusher, this dominant player, this Chase Young, this Bruce Smith—people forget Bruce Smith—they wouldn't have given 50 points up to Tennessee, right? They tried to rush four; they couldn't get there. Tennessee's never in a six-man protection, a seven-man protection. They didn't double him, you know. They blocked him. So we, we tend to take good and put it up into great. But let's stay on the quarterbacks. I digress. I think it'll be Bryce Young. Yeah. I think two will be Stroud, and I don't think Indianapolis will move. I think Indianapolis will stay at four, and I don't really think Anthony Richardson will be a consideration for Indianapolis.
4: What confused me most about why McShay flopped the pick was in his analysis. He said um, that McShay was told by decision makers in Carolina that they are all leaning the same direction, but just no, like no, he doesn't know what direction that is. Well, so they're he, all leaning the same direction because he has you,
5: Stroud rated higher than he, Young. That's why. He, so like, we have to go just, back to what he now, – now, But he just legitimately record, didn't
4: know. He just flopped I, I it. I admire to
5: Todd. He works hard. He's never been in a draft room. Let's just right. put that on perspective. He's never put together a board. He's never gone through I mean, he's he's watching players. He's not studying the game. He's just watching players.
4: Why do you feel confident that the Colts are not going to trade up?
5: Because I think when you really – break, as I've been saying here, they only have one player on their team at quarterback in Gardner Minshew. And so if they take Anthony Richardson, they're going to be one in 15, and they don't know what they're going to become. I think it'll be Will Levis at four. I think they'll take a, a guy who they feel like has athletic skills. He's got an arm. There's some things you don't like about Will Levis. There's no doubt. I'm not in love with him. But you could make a case that you could build an offense around this guy, and he represents what you want to do. If you take Anthony Richardson, you know, you're taking a guy that has a lot of talent, but doesn't play the position. Even, you know, we all talk about the Utah game. I watched the Utah mm-hmm. game yesterday. There's a lot of mistakes he makes on that tape in the Utah game. There's a lot of great plays he makes, but there's a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of, of opportunities that he doesn't cash in on, and he doesn't recover. It's it's going to be a process. So if you're, if you're Chris Ballard at four, four, why would you want to trade up to get Richardson? I don't think Richardson's going to go – that early I think people have watched them and they see what I see on the tape is great mm-hmm. talent. What are we going to do with them?
4: Yeah, and so like let's say uh, you're, you're not as concerned if another team wants to trade up and take that three pick if you don't care whether or not you get Anthony Richards And the only uh, reason a team is going to trade up is going to try to make a deal with with um, the Cardinals there is if they want Anthony Richards Nobody's going right. to trade up for so, Will Levis
5: see what we remove from all this in this conversation is we we think no teams have grading systems Okay because these people that do mocks have no grading system. So they just put players in random spots, okay? When you have a grading system, like in the New England system or the Cleveland system that Belichick has and, and I and I've been a part of, you can't grade Anthony Richardson high enough to pick him the third pick overall. You cannot. Now you could say, how can you grade Bryce Young to be the first pick? There is a category for the, the the smaller player, what we call a C player. You can grade him up to a 7-0, which would make him there. You cannot grade Anthony Richardson high enough to make him there. He's a developmental player. So the highest grade you could give him would be somewhere in the second round where you're saying he's a potential starter, not a starter. And so, therefore, I think teams that have grading systems, the Ravens, you know, the Panthers, they all have grading systems. You can't do that. And we take that out of it. All we talk about is where they're going to go. We don't talk about how they're going to play. Mm-hmm.
4: The the from a value standpoint in terms of betting, um, the third quarterback selected market currently on DraftKings. Anthony Richardson is a minus two seventy five odds on favorite to be the third quarterback selected. Bet, though, Will Levis. I,
5: I, I would take plus two twenty. I would bet Richardson over for three, and I would bet Will Levis under the four. And I would take Hayden Hooker, who I. You know, I watched Hayden Hooker yesterday and I talked to a lot of teams. Everybody loves Hayden Hooker's personality, everybody loves his character, his work ethic. There's no one that I talked to in the top 10 or the top 15 that is going to take Hayden Hooker.
4: So I thought you were going to like this because you asked for Malik Willis data yesterday yes. and I got it for you. There you go. So um NFL draft analyst Chad Ruder by the way had Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett A month prior to the draft, both going top three. Right, there you go. So just want to have that one out there. In his final projection, still had Willis going eight to Atlanta. Mel Kuyper had Willis six to the Panthers 15 days prior to the draft. In the final versions, McShay and Mel Kuyper both had Willis going 20 to the Steelers. Um, Daniel Jeremiah and Dane Brugler of the athletic, um, had picket to the Steelers. Willis sneaking in at the last pick in the first round to the line. So all these guys about a month out had Willis very, very high Same where and the right farthest around. he dropped even still was first round. He yeah. ends up
5: being a third round pick ends up being a third because there's, because you couldn't grade him high enough off a of Liberty tape to say he's a starter. He's a, and then when he played last year, it was a disaster. He's a potential starter at best. But we don't don't use verbiage to describe the player. We use where he's going to go. So that's why these mocks are so Mm -hmm. messed up. And that's why any professional who's been in a draft room looks at the mocks and laughs because there's no way you could grade that player that high. And if you're going to draft someone, he's got to be able to. And and to say that Hayden Hooker's going to go in the first round, coming off an ACL, he's not going to play next year. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pick up the fifth-year option in the first round. Will he go in the second? I don't doubt that he will go in the second because he's very accurate and he's got great character. But he does not read coverages. That Tennessee offense is not a pro offense. They get four receivers out, but it's not a pro offense.
4: Yeah, you have made it very clear that you feel like he is a system quarterback when it comes to, like, Josh Heifel and that offense really set him up for success with what he does. Also, speaking of last year's draft, remember Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter were both considered fringe first round picks. There you go. What round did they also go in? So just keep that in mind. Um, A lot of this is very much so in flux to be determined. And it's an information game. And if you don't have the information, you don't know. And a lot of these prognosticators do not have that information.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on FSN, the sports betting network.
4: Get everything you need to bet on baseball this season with 24-7 streaming. Daily best bet emails, including advice, data, and strategy for just $9.99. Our experts are also gearing up for golf's first major of the year coming up at Augusta beginning this Thursday for this year's Masters Betting Guide. Wes Reynolds profiles every single player in the field, and Matt Eumann has his best bet. Sign up today. Get full access to Beeson through the NFL Draft for just $9.99 at Beeson.com slash subscribe. Also, make sure you check out Beeson's Podcast long shots where similarly get like a full hour of content just breaking down the different models and projections everybody has
5: this master's guide is incredible I mean it's so good and you know we all love to watch the masters and we all love uh, Augusta National but the guide is so good because I think on the surface you think well we can't make any money betting golf but you can and when you read the guide there's a lot of information for you to kind of understand it And, and if there's ever a course that you know the game has to match the course it's this one here and that's why we love it so much because we all know the holes we all know the pin placements from watching it and so i just think the guide is is a, another tool in your tool belt to help you so i would urge everybody to take a look at that and and buy it because if you you can make money in the golfing world
4: yeah course history at augusta is so much better than the majority of events that we're going to see because they play on the same course every, every single time. year so and,
5: and and you know and we'll see what the weather's going to play a factor if it rains how they handle the greens but that's what makes it so good, and, and whose who's putter's hot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, whose who's short game is on par? I mean, that's the thing that makes it so good.
4: Yeah, world number one, Scotty Scheffler, alongside Rory McElroy, who finished runner-up in last year's Masters. Um, they you are atop the you odds a pick, board. You like, Not you like. yet. I'm still so. I'm going through the guide. That's it, it, how I am too. I'm going through it right now to make my decisions. But it's so much more. To your point, like it's so much more than just betting outrights. You can bet top tens, top twenties, yeah. matchups. It's there's so many different angles to bet the Masters and these major events.
5: And, and you you have to. I thought what Thomas Gable was talking about yesterday. Guys that have pl- played well in the past. He mentioned just Jason Day, who's had some top ten finishes mm-hmm. here in the top twenty. You know, he's kind of suffered through, has some ups and downs, but you know i mean look that what makes it fun is to be able to root for a guy you know and you know hopefully that your guy is going to be there on saturday afternoon when you're kind of sit there and, and you're out by stadium swim watching it
4: yeah, there you go who will don the green jacket we'll have to wait and see till this weekend but jim nance what a what a life what a that he's living this week and uh, congrats to him you know hey, sad to tremendous. see him do his last national championship
5: game but and i know and i know i know jim really well personally and and, and he's a dear friend and he and he wrote the forward to my new book which i'm extremely thankful to him for but i know how much he loves college basketball the city of houston he you know he went to school there shared a dorm room with Freddie couples and blaine McAllister. so to to go from you know houston to augusta is a great walk down memory lane for jim and and he'll you know do a tremendous job and some of the calls that he's made during this or when he reminds you of Summerall's calls, it's just great. So uh, uh, there's nothing like that soothing voice. And I tell right. people this all the time, Stormy, as nice as Jim appears in person on television, he's even nicer in person.
4: That's the best to hear because you, you always hear um, you never want to meet your idols, right? <laughs> yeah. But he is somebody that is the voice of so many of our memories and yeah. for that voice to actually be a, a good person, I think that that goes a long way. I want to wrap up some more of our draft conversation here. We're going to talk through a lot more props with Thorne Eystrom when he joins us later on in hour two. But another thing I found interesting about Todd McShay's mock draft this time around Mm -hmm. was the elevation of Jalen Carter. Last time out, he had him around 12. Now he's going five to Seattle in this latest projection. And I think that that's notable because so much has been made about Jalen Carter off the field and what that – might mean but the talent is undeniable when the it comes, the
5: talent to is undeniable and I mean when you watch him play you feel him you know there's times you watch Will Anderson play as I mentioned earlier you don't feel him and Will Anderson has kind of is a great kid and he works hard but he's kind of I think he's been portrayed to be a little bit better than he actually is mm-hmm. I don't think Carter's that category because Carter is an old-fashioned five technique he can slide down. What the things you like about Carter is his ability to play on the edge in a four-man front, to set the edge in a four-man front. And then on third down, he can come inside and rush against the guards and use his quickness and use his ability to push people back into the pocket. So uh, this is not a football decision in terms of do you pick them. This is clearly about do we agree to the character. You know, the bigger issue is – the, the off-the-field incident where those, that young girl and the player unfortunately passed uh, got in a car accident. W- what was his involvement? He was charged on a misdemeanor on that. What more is entitled there? You know, the body cam came out yesterday about about the incident. So the teams are going to have to dig deeply here. And then the weight gain. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when he went off the rails and he started to gain weight, defensive linemen are, are hard to, to, to handle. They're, they're, they're hard to handle. All the great ones typically are. If they were nice and comfortable, they'd be offensive alignment. But their defensive alignment are difficult. So you're going to have to really get into the character of this kid. But the talent is really strong.
4: And that's the thing, though. It's it's not just the character with the one incident because it is something that throughout his career, there have been, like, a little bit of questions. And yeah. I know that, that Georgia has done their best to come out and say, what are you guys talking about? This well, is crazy. But I'm, I'm not but, so sure because I've heard it from have other to understand places.
5: This. What we have to understand this, as a, a, because we are in the betting information business, is Georgia – has a job to do, and that job is to protect Jalen Carter. So anything they say publicly is going to be positive, and they have to do that. Kirby Smart is not going to reveal anything about what he knows about Jalen Carter's character, his work habits, because he has to protect his program. So you can't expect him, and you can't take anything that he says, no disrespect to Kirby, Mm -hmm. at face value. Mm -hmm. We can't as betters either. We have to dig deeper than that because you cannot rely on him to be truthful no matter what your relationship is because it hurts his program if he says something wrong about Jalen Carter because that word gets around and all of a sudden, hey, Kirby killed that kid or this guy killed that kid. You can't do that. You've got to, be, you've got to understand that when you're asking the people at Georgia about Jalen Carter, you're going to get positive answers. Correct. You've got to find the people that know the truth that are willing to tell you the truth that are outside the program.
4: The draft position number as it stands currently for Jalen Carter is seven and a half. The two teams favored to land him, according to DraftKings, are the Lions at six and Seattle at seven. Um, Lions three to one Seattle plus three thirty. And then you have Chicago there at nine plus four fifty is kind of the it, it, shortest team. And, the and board. look,
5: the, the Lions, you know, they, they released Michael Brockers at the start of free agency. So they need a big guy inside. He would be really good for them. Seattle. Daquan Jones, they signed from Denver. You know, Pete Carroll finally got a three technique when they signed him. But they could certainly use another big guy inside. That makes sense there. I I think Seattle would be more leaning towards the pass rusher, whether it's Will Anderson or the Texas Tech kid. I think they would lean that way. But they certainly could use a defensive tackle. And, you know, they're going to do their character research. And And character research is different for every team how they define character, and how they accept character, right? So everybody has their standards. Pete Carroll has his. I'm sure Dan Campbell and the, and the Detroit organization has theirs. What were they willing to take? The reason Tyreek Hill is a fifth-rounder isn't because nobody recognized his talent. There was no team other than the Chiefs that were going to take on his past performance in terms of domestic violence.
4: And I mean, no disrespect to Vegas, but you don't want to be in a situation like the Raiders are in right now, the way that they have missed on a lot of the character in their first pick. They can't miss on character.
5: What the Raiders have to do is pick somebody that they feel like could be their team captain. They need to pick a really good player. They don't need just to pick a nice guy. They don't need to pick Eddie Haskell here, right? They need to pick a really good player. But they've got to pick somebody who they feel like will represent who they are in the program, you know, and that's key. Because they haven't done that, they have a vath of people that are out there, so they they can't risk the character. Look, the the number one reason you make mistakes in the draft isn't because you misevaluate the player. Everybody's watching the tape. You misevaluate the character. You assume this guy's going to be a better player because of his character than you give him credit for. It. That's the mistakes that happen. On Anthony Richardson, you're assuming his work habits. You're assuming his character is going to offset his inability to play, that to, to make up the ground he needs to. I think that's really risky. I think that's risky. So that's why I don't see Anthony Richardson going in the mm-hmm. top 10.
4: Mm-hmm. Are you, as an evaluator, are you looking for more reasons why or why not about a guy?
5: You're looking as you start, why not? Prove to me why this guy should be, why we should consider him. Tell me why. You know, one of the biggest mistakes we've ever made in my career was we were told Warren Sapp was a bad guy. We were told by the League Security Office not to draft him because there was rumors and innuendos about Sapp before the draft that were not true. That were not true. So we passed on him. We traded down in the first round. We should have picked him. He would have been a whole, we needed a three-three technique. So you've got to be able to do your own research. And that character element can only come from you because if you rely on outside sources. It's gonna. It could screw you up.
4: That's got to be so challenging to have to go through this entire process and not be confident where you're getting the information from, like yeah, what you can believe and what you can't about
5: a person. You, you really have to find alternative avenues to get it, and there's ways to do it. And, 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 but you're not doing it in the football office. You're not going to find out about Jalen Carter in the football. Office.
4: Really, really good conversation. Um, I'm. I'm just so intrigued by all of the inner workings of the draft and what goes on behind the scenes. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Will Hill is going to join us. He has a number of NFL win totals already getting in the account and maybe a baseball play for today as well because he's busy.
5: He's busy. Running networks.
1: (laughs) I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.
0: And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael
3: Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on vSEN, the sports betting network.
4: Even a wager that misses can still be a slam dunk with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Place an NBA one-game parlay wager with four legs or more, and if you miss one leg, you'll receive up to $25 back. Just opt in to this promotion on BetMGM's app or website. With one-game parlay, you can make selections within a single NBA game, including team and player props. Opt into the promo, then place an NBA one-time parlay wager of four legs or more, and you'll get up to $25 back even if you miss a leg. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonatoni We are live from Las Vegas, excited to welcome in, good friend of the show who has about what 80 jobs now. He's running
5: leagues, he's running networks, oh, all man. the things. I've never seen a guy so busy. <laughs> and have and has all the and he's got every answer, trust me. And there's His a smiling director. face.
4: Will Hill at NotTheWillHill Will Hill on Twitter, recent contributor, awesome part of the VCN family. Welcome in, Will. What's going on, my guy?
6: Army, what's going on? Lombardi is getting to you. He's starting to pollute your mind. He's starting to rub off on you too much. That's not a good direction to be going.
5: In. It's the uh, only direction. I speak the truth. I, I mean, do say nobody, no doubt a lot more nobody, now than, than I did before. Nobody, nobody can program television better than Will Hill. I mean, he was happy that the women's game was on I mean, like I, I don't understand how they're not calling him. I'm sure he's probably consulting Amazon on their Thursday schedule. Is that true or not, Will?
6: I mean, how about a 1040 Eastern tip to the second half last night? Can we start the games a little earlier? And do we need that many commercials? But uh, you're right. Nobody's calling me. Nobody's asking.
4: Michael's happy he's on the Pacific time zone right now.
6: I
5: mean, I would have (laughs) never seen the end of that game. I'll be dead honest. I would have never. I would have have recorded it and watched it when I got up in the mood. But I would have never seen it. I would have never seen Jim Nance and the tie. I would have
6: never done that.
4: It's okay. Most people on the West Coast went to sleep anyways with the way that things (laughs) played out. Will, how'd you make out on the game last night?
6: I did well. I had UConn. I got a little, little tight there when it uh, got cut to five, but it just—it never felt like San Diego State was going to win the game. I know Barkley at halftime said San Diego, uh, San Diego State's going to come back and win this. Uh, I mean, Barkley, we all love him. Uh, I love him. He's entertaining. I- I'm sure his bookie loves him too because he has some uh, <laughs> some bold predictions. Sometimes it just look Lombardi. You said it. UConn was the better team. Um, and I didn't even think they played great. They had some empty possessions. Some All right, you don't need to You don't need to pile people. on
4: now, Will. We've, we've heard <laughs> enough. We've heard enough. <laughs> yeah. I,
6: I, I mean, look, they, they got hot. They played
5: well. And, you know, it wasn't a fluke. I think it wasn't just that no. one night. I mean, they've demonstrated through the tournament that they were the Tom and the team to keep asking ourselves the question, how are they the four seed? You know, I mean, that's how good they were. But we understand why they were because of their Big East play, the losing streak, and the tournament loss. So you know, good for them, and they're going to keep going on. So let's talk about, and I know you're really good at this area, I want to talk about over-unders because we know this, the draft doesn't really influence this year's team, right? It it will to a degree on some teams, but for the most part, the over-under total on teams doesn't become reflective based on the draft. So give us a couple of your favorite over-under plays starting the year off.
6: I got a bunch, and I, I think you make a good point that it's not going to affect the over-unders. It's probably not going to affect the uh, the odds to win the Super Bowl either. So as much content as we get out of the draft, as much fun as it is to, to follow and to bet, it doesn't really affect a lot of these numbers. I got a bunch. I don't know where you want to start. I bet under 8.5 on the Giants. I just don't think that what they did last year was real. I think a lot of it was fool's gold. They won a lot of coin flip type of games, starting with week one where Tennessee misses a kick following Carolina misses a coin flip, uh, loses a coin flip game. And before you know it, the Giants are 2-0. and They're off to a great start. They're feeling good about themselves. You know, the Jaguars had them beat if they moved the ball another inch or a yard or whatever it was. So to me, they were well coached, but I didn't think they were very talented. Now you're going to lock up Jones. And look, Jones was healthy last year, but he's missed games in the past too. So what happens if missed, Jones misses four to six games? To me, uh, I, I can't expect them to duplicate what they did last year. Expect them to get to nine wins. I think he's asking a lot. So I went under on the Giants.
5: You know, when you look at the schedule, right? They start out, what, six and one, Stormy?
6: Yeah. You yeah. know,
5: they start out six and one. And they go, in, they go up to Seattle to play a Seattle team not very good on defense. And they get smoked in the game. They drop two punts, which really hurt them in the game. But the reality was... Once team, that buy came in, once teams kind of knew what they were doing, I think they caught a lot of teams by surprise early in the year. The way they managed the game, the way they handled the game. And then once they kind of got caught up to and teams said, okay, they're they're doing a much better job of handling Daniel Jones, the game plan shifted. And they should have lost to Houston. I mean, Houston had opportunities to win that game. And then the second half of the season, they really were not very good. and. You know, I know they beat a bad Minnesota team, but I'm with you, Will. I, I think eight and a half is going to be hard for them to get the nine wins because they haven't really done anything to improve their team where you say, wow, that's really
6: good. Yep, totally with you. And look, I mean, they, they played okay You know, against Minnesota in that game. They lost, I think it was Christmas Eve. and They played well in the playoff game. But again, it, it, you, you had Barkley healthy. You had Jones healthy. Those are guys that have missed plenty of games. And uh, I just don't see a ton of talent there. Um, if you want to go to another one, I like betting a lot of unders, but to me, an over I like, I think Philly's an 11-win team. 10-and-a-half looks a little short. I know that there's always regression with the Super Bowl loser. There's always a bit of a hangover. But to me, I mean, they were, what, 14-and-1 when Hurts was the starter. Uh, I think, you know what the key is? They didn't get rid of that rugby scrum play where every third and one, every fourth and one, they're going to go for it. They're going to get it. To me, that's an 11- or 12-win team. I don't like to play a lot of uh, a lot of overs because of injuries, things like that, but to me, 10.5 is a little light, so I went over on Philly as
4: well. No real concern for you for the the pieces that they lost, including, of course, both coordinators?
6: I think the coordinators were replaceable. I think Gannon was, uh, is definitely replaceable. I just think there's a lot of talent. It's a balanced team. <laughs> They're going to have a back. They're going to have picks, do they? I mean, they got a couple of good picks coming to them. They got two good receivers. As long as you keep Hurts relatively healthy here, I think this is a pretty good team still. You
5: know, I, I think if you're going to bet overs stay in the NFC to bet over. <laughs> yep. And if you're going to bet unders, go to the AFC. Because I, I think to me, the NFC doesn't have quarterbacks. And so, yeah, the the Eagles are going to have a harder schedule next year because of the first place finish and because of the Super Bowl. and No one's going to take them lightly. But who are they going to have to play? Green Bay with Jordan Love? Who are they going to play? You know, I mean, there, there's no team – that you're worried New Orleans beat them last year with Andy Dalton. I get that, but Jalen Hurts was hurt in that game. But what teams are out there that are just so formidable? We know the Cowboys will be good. They dominated the Giants. Mm-hmm. They dominated the Giants in both games, the playoff game and the first game. So I, I'm with you, Will. I don't see how they don't win 12 games. I really don't.
4: You do have an NFC um, under, but it is the one of the highest season win totals on the board with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, their total set at 11 and a half coming off a 13 win regular season. But I didn't understand why this number was set as high as it was either simply because like you don't know the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to bet on a team over when you truly don't know how that's going to play out. What led you to betting the under on the 11 and a half?
6: Exactly what you just said. I'm glad you agree with me. I was worried I was going to ruffle your feathers. I was talking about San Diego State. I'm down on the Niners. I thought this was going to hurt our Uh, friendship a little bit. But you said it. You can't just pencil a team in. I know it's an all-star team uh, in in terms of the roster. I know they have a great regular season coach in Shanahan. uh, But to me, you can't just pencil a team in for 12 wins. 12 wins is a lot in the NFL when you don't know who the quarterback is. Maybe it's Purdy. Maybe it's Darnold. To just assume that team's going, going to win 12, 13 games, I think he's asking a lot. So I think unders the only way you can look with Sam Fran.
5: Well, I, you know, the one thing I will say, Sam Fran improved their team with Hargrave. There's no yes. doubt that they got better with Hargrave to go along with Ken Law, to go along with Armstead, and their defense is still really good. And they brought Steve Wilkes in, which will give them a little bit of a modification, but they're going to win with their front. They're going to run the ball. They've got great skill players. And I think Sam Darnold will play effectively if he has to play. So they're going to be a hard out. They're going to be a hard out to play. And I don't think they're going to try to fit the Lance experiment into their team. I think Lance is going to prove that he can't play. And they're happy that he'll prove that he can't play. So I do think 11 and a half is hard. But I think they're going to be a hard team to yeah. play. And I don't know what their Super Bowl odds are. But the way they've handled their team this offseason, they'll get Bosa resigned. The one thing you worry about with San Francisco is Bosa has a tendency to get hurt. They have injuries that happen to their team too often.
4: 49ers are the second shortest shot to win it all at 7-1. to KC, the favorite, at 6-1. to one. Yeah,
6: They it's were going to beat it's... Philly, too, if Purdy didn't get hurt, I think. I really believe that. You know,
5: Hargrave said that, too, and I didn't know if he said it just more out of desperation or just because he signed a new contract with the 49ers. I think the other one on your list, uh, Will, that I like is I like Arizona under 5.5. Me, too. I like that a lot. I, I just don't see this Arizona Cardinal team coming together I think there's a split and we only have a minute to go, but there's a split in that locker room. I don't think anybody buys the mayor other than the owner and Steve Kime, who's
6: not there anymore. And the mayor's hurt. They don't have a quarterback. I know there's reports he could be back mid season, but if you're one and six, two and seven, are you gonna rush him back? Probably not. You probably just take the high pick and and move along and get your you know top five pick here. I don't think that's a six win team. So that five and a half looks a little high for me. And their
5: Arizona. defense will be really vulnerable. Gannon's a very vanilla coach. I mean, I don't understand how he got the head coaching job. You'll move the ball on them. They're not talented enough on defense in the front for Gannon's scheme to take over.
4: Good stuff, Will. Thanks, bud.
6: All right. See you. Thanks for having
4: me. For anyone also new to the Lombardi Line wondering who's the mayor, well, it's the mayor of Munchkinland, A.K.A. Kyler Murray. Tyler Murray. <laughs> so, just want to make sure anybody's confused who's the mayor. There you go. Lock I, I, it I just in. I
5: forgot that. I thought we you know we've been doing shows. I thought you, you know I, there should be a glossary. Right? We need.
4: Yeah, we need to get something written now. We'll be right back on the Lombardi Line. This is Vincen the Sports Betting Network.